Right, and good morning to you. We are glad that you are here today. Uh, God bless you so much. I know the COVID really is messing with a lot of folks, and um, thank you for trusting the Lord to be here, and we do want to pray for the ones that have it. So anyway, and who knows, it might be us next, right? Anyway, and I need to say thank you, young folks. You guys walked in. I went, whoa, and you guys were already here. You know, the women are always on time. You know how that goes. But anyway, well, that's not true either. But anyway, glad to have all you guys. That's awesome. Britt would be very proud uh, to see all of y'all here. That's pretty awesome. Good deal. Well, listen, we are, what, in week number three of our new series for 2022, um, Cruising Route 22. And just as always a reminder that Route 22 represents 2022 and how we're going to cruise through 2022. And our tagline, in case it's too small to read out there, is driving and thriving with Jesus at the wheel. We're going to do 2022 with Jesus Christ guiding our lives, Jesus at the wheel. And our key verse is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. two. And you kind of heard this a different verse, same truth, though, Paul says, I decided, I have determined, I have determined to know nothing among you, nothing among you, except one, Jesus Christ and him crucified. So he said, the center of my universe, the center of my world this year is going to be Jesus. Now watch this, not church, not religion, not being better, not a resolution, The center of my universe is going to be Jesus Christ as my Lord and King and him crucified. And the crucifixion was a thing of shame. Okay, it was a thing to be despised. And we have determined that Jesus is going to be my determination to let Jesus Christ be my King no matter what culture says. No matter what shame, a refusal to believe, a, a, a condemnation of God in our culture, nothing's going to impact that. I decide to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified, even, even if to the world that is a thing of shame. So that's our series. And what an unusual, do not call the Humane Society, okay? But what an unusual title, Killing the Kitty. And you might go, okay, okay, so, so what in the world does, does Killing the Kitty have to do with Route 22, okay? And the answer is this. There you go. There you go. Uh, we had a car last week, and on Men's Day, I figured we needed one more, all right? Now, I'm still, I try to be careful uh, what I say in the pulpit, and this car's name is not Sheol Cat. It's something else. And I just didn't feel comfortable saying that from the pulpit. So I named it Sheol Cat. And to help you follow the path of what it really means, it's Hades Cat. Okay? It's made by Dodge. And this particular one, uh, if I'm seeing it correctly, is a Charger. Okay? And amazing. You know, last year we, last week we talked about this, this challenger of Rod Wallace's that had 375 horsepower and it all went, you know? And then this is an actual car. Uh, this is called the, the Red Eye Edition, okay? The SRX Red Eye. And this particular model, and it's a real car, has, and it's, by the way, it's street legal, street legal, 1,000 horsepower. Now, listen, that's a formable cat no matter what. Okay, that's a formable automobile. And if you're pulling up on, at the street light, and let's say you've got a Shelby 500 like, like um, Todd does, or perhaps you have a 2015 Passat diesel, okay, you know, 
How do you take on a formidable cat like that? How do you beat a cat like that? Well, I don't have the answer for that, but I do have the answer for this. Because you see, there is a cat from hell that is a reality in our lives. And I want to talk to you today about how we can kill the kitty or how can we take care of the cat from hell. Now, it won't be exactly like it is in the, um, in the worship event, but we're going to move one of the verses up a little bit. And it's 2 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. Now, this happens to be one of my favorite verses. It's something I have talked to you multiple times, and I'm going to teach it occasionally because I really want you to get the truth of this, okay? Because, you know, Satan is a real foe that we have in our lives. So how can we conquer that? Through the power of Jesus Christ. Well, Peter writes, and he says, first off, be sober-minded. And literally, in fact, some of the translations probably say this, is that we need to be serious-minded. So in 2022, if we're going to travel Route 22, if we're going to let Jesus be at the will, if we're going to drive and thrive with Jesus, listen, we've got to be serious-minded about our faith. Today, this year, and actually any time, it's not a time for us to be simple-minded about our faith. That's something we do. You know, we get up and we come to church because that's what we do. Um, we, we may even get up and read our Bible because that's what we do. Um, we, we may, you know, that's what we do. And now is not the time for that. Peter says, because of the circumstances, okay, we need to be serious-minded. Question, are you serious-minded about your faith? Is it something you tag? Mm-mm. Is it something you tag into your life? Or has it become your life? To be serious-minded means that your faith is at the center of your life. So he says, be sober-minded. And then he says, be watchful. Be alert. Keeping in mind the context we're fixing to be in. You know, it's important when you drive that you that you keep your eyes on the road. Someone said, we tend to steer where we stare. And what do we keep our eyes on in life? That's where our life is going to gradually go to. You've all seen this. Uh, it happened to me coming back from, uh, from Nashville the other day. You know, I was looking at something over here, and it wasn't long, but I've heard the, the rumble strips, you know. I said, whoops, back over here, Dwayne. We tend to steer where we stare. So Peter says, listen, be serious about your faith. Be serious. Make it a commitment this year. I'm going to drive and thrive with Jesus at the wheel. I'm going to be serious about my faith. And perhaps you already were serious, so you're going to be more serious about your faith. And then we are going to be watchful. We're going to keep our eyes on the road. We're going to make sure, understanding that we, you know, we tend to steer where we stare, so we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus this year. And I, you know, I can't say it enough. Don't keep your eyes on the church. Don't keep your eyes on your religion. Okay? Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ as Lord and King. And this is the part that many years now, probably five, six, seven years ago, God gave me a teaching on this, and I'm sure it's not new under the sun, but really has become very important to me. You know, you know Peter says, your adversary, the devil. Now, I'm going to say something, and you're going to say, well, of course, okay? But you need to understand that the devil is not your friend. 
You need to understand that, that the devil is your adversary. The devil is your enemy. He is not your friend. And so you come to church regularly and you kind of go, well, Dwayne, that's a dust statement. Is it really? Is it really? Because you see, one of Satan's great tactics is he portrays himself as a friend. How do you think, how do you think that Satan got into the, uh, to the mind of Eve? He didn't go in there in his rip-roaring way. He went, you know, like, Eve, I really care for you. You know, did God really say this? You won't surely die. And, on he went, and he betrayed himself as Eve's new best friend. And she listened to him. And you need to understand something, that in your life, Satan will come across as your new best friend. He will, he will attempt to get inside your brain and said, I care, more, I care more about you than God cares about you. Now you're sitting there going, that's not possible, really. What about when the doctor says cancer? What if your wife cheats on you or your husband cheats on you? What if your kids walk away or your parents walk away? See, right now, that seems like an impossibility. But what if? What if? So you need to understand, you need to nail it down in your head. You need to nail down your head that, that Satan is not my friend. He is an adversary. He is, he is not for me. He is against me. And I want you to understand, by the way, that God is always for you. No matter what, God is always for you. His love, as Brother David said, you know, his love is constant, continuous, unlimited, unconditional. He is for you. Well, your adversary, the devil, prowls around, wanders around like a roaring lion. Now, I know you may have, you may, I found out, you know, we don't always remember what we hear. So again, if, if you've written it down, write it down again and, and perhaps listen carefully to what I'm about to say. You know, I'm a big fan of nature programs, so I've learned a lot. Well, I think I've learned a lot about nature and the nature of animals and stuff. And one of my favorites is Africa. I have this thing for Africa. I love going to Africa, and I love seeing the nature shows. And, of course, I learned a lot about the roaring lion. Now, here's what I know. When a lion is roaring, he's not hunting in the traditional way. When a lion is roaring, he's not hunting in the traditional way. Okay? Now, a lion that is trying to get a gazelle, let's say there's a, you guys are all the gazelles and I'm the lion... I will sneak up on you, okay? I will get low on my belly. I will move, or I'll move very slowly, taking one step at a time. You don't ever see a lion going on a field. Here's the gazelles, and he goes, roar! And he's basically saying, hi, I'm king of the jungle, and I'm here to eat you. That just doesn't happen, all right? So when does, when does a lion roar? There are two times he roars. Number one is, and again, just watch it on the nature channel or something, okay? And you're going to see this. A lion will roar when he's proclaiming his dominance. A lion roars when he's, now that's what he says here, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. So when Satan roars in our world, he's proclaiming his dominance. But let me add a word there to help you. He's proclaiming his false dominance. He's saying, I am the king, and we all know that he is not. 
that the king is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the kitty from hell, but Jesus is the the lion of Judah. Nail that down in your lives. So so when you hear the, the roar of the lion in this world, when you hear the roar of the lion in your life, when, when you hear the roar of the lion that says, I'm greater than God. If God loved you, this wouldn't happen to you. Uh, if God really cared about you, you know, he would give you this or take away that. Okay? When, you, when you hear that roar, understand it's a false god trying to declare his dominance. Now, there's another time that a lion will roar. And that's when he wants to add to his pride. When, when a male lion roars, he's trying to attract females who will come and be under him as the king of the jungle. That's the other time he roars. And guess what? When you hear Satan roaring around in your world, he's looking for you. That's what Peter says. He's looking for you. Now, here's what's crazy. A female, this, y'all didn't get this in first service, so this is new. Okay? A female lion who's committed to the king, her king, will not listen to another king. A female that's not satisfied with the pride listens to another king. Are you satisfied with your king? Are you satisfied with the Lord Jesus? Is he everything to you? That Satan can roar anytime he wants to and there will be no response from you. Because your heart belongs to Jesus. Well, this roaring lion is looking for like-minded believers. Notice I said believers. Because remember, this is written to believers. He's looking for believers that think like he does. He's looking for believers that think like he does. You remember Psalm 14 last week? The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They call it practical atheism. We say we believe in God and live as if he doesn't exist. That's what Satan's looking for. He's looking for someone who belongs to Jesus, who is not content with the king. God didn't do this, and God didn't do that. And if God loved me, he would do this. And if God loved me, he would do that. He's looking for people who are not content with their God. That's who he's looking for. And the way that doesn't happen is your heart is committed to your king. Committed to your king. He walks about like a roaring lion, and he is looking for lunch, seeking someone to devour. Are you going to be that someone? Is this the year when Satan finally wins your heart? Is this the year when you believe that maybe the old life was better than the new life? The old king was better than the new king? Is this... The time is this the place. You know, there's a saying that says something like this. Um, uh, man, he really ate my lunch. You know, you go to a meeting and you come out and you're pretty scarred and bruised up. Man, they ate your lunch. Well, not only will Satan eat your lunch, he wants you to be lunch. He wants you to be lunch. So, the question then becomes, how do we take care of this kitty? How do we take care of this 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 cat from hell, how do we take care of him? Uh, there's lots of answers. But I want to look at a couple today that will be f- perhaps fresh. And the number one answer is, the first answer is, um, that we need a kitty-killing 
legacy. A kitty killing legacy. And this is a story today about a couple of people, really about two people, okay? And it's very, very strong, very, very powerful. Some of it I'm sure you've heard before, okay? Some of the story, okay? But we start out in 2 Samuel 23, 20, the first part. And what we get is we get two names. We've got Benaniah, son of Jehodiah. Benaniah, son of Jehodiah. And if you're really sharp, you can look there and see apparently this is a father-son relationship. So we have a father who we're going to see is influencing his son. Okay? So we have a father then who is writing this legacy. He has, here's a father um, who is going to influence Benaniah. And the guy that Benaniah turns out to be is going to be largely because of Jehodiah. Now, moms, dads, grandmothers, grandfathers, or others who might be in a place of influence, what you've got to understand is your influence is true with pastors, it's true with teachers at school, um, it's true with bosses, uh, whoever it is, okay? What you've got to understand is, is that you are influencing the people around you. And in this case, as we're going to see, Jehodiah had this great story. He is influencing his son to be the man that he becomes. You know, Jehodiah, and you're going to see this in just a moment. Listen carefully. Jehodiah wrote a story that was easy to follow. Jehodiah wrote a story that was easy to follow. And mom, dad, grandmother, grandfather, or other persons that might be in a position of influence, what kind of story are you writing? Is it a story that's easy to tell? Easy to follow. We see this legacy thing working out in 2 Samuel 23, 20, the second part. Okay, We see that, that uh, Jehodiah was a man of honor. Honor. Uh, he was a man of bravery. He was a man of loyalty. He was a man of excellence. Okay, uh, He's the kind of man that, that laid down a story worth following. The Bible says, and this is just the second part of verse 20, Benaniah was the son of... Now, now we're going to learn more about Jehodiah. Okay? The son of a brave man from Kadzil. A man of many exploits. So, so we're going to find out later. I'll go and give you like a, a spoiler. We're going to find out that Benaniah was an incredibly brave man. Where did he learn that from? Where did he learn that? He learned it from his dad. His dad. And there's a little caveat in the story that makes this even more interesting. So, so this Jehodiah was a brave man with many exploits. You know, he was the kind of man a lot of stories were going to be told about. Good stories. Hey, do you remember when, when Jehodiah did this? Hey, do you remember when Dad did this? Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? And they were all good stories. Because he was a brave man and a man of honor. And people couldn't wait to tell the stories that his life told. Now, you, whether you're a mom, dad, grandmother, grandfather, or a person of influence, you're writing stories. And the question is, is your story one that you won't told? Is your life a story that you won't told? Do, do, do you want the, the stories that are going to be told? You know, 
One day a preacher's going to stand. I assume you'll have a pastor. Um, you know, you'll have a, a funeral, and a, a preacher's going to stand up and tell a little bit about you. Uh, perhaps your children will stand up and tell about you, and your grandkids will stand up and tell about you. You know, what story, are they, what story do you want told at your funeral? Here, I'll make it easier. When they come to your church and they're choosing between white meat and dark meat at your funeral dinner, do I want mashed potatoes or mac and cheese? When they sit at the table, you are going to be the topic of discussion. What stories are they going to tell? What legacy are you writing for your friends and your family and your wife and your kids and your grandchildren to write? What is your legacy? What is your story going to be? Now, not only that, it's really, you know, he's a man of honor. That's, that's incredible. Here he is, a, a brave man with many exploits. But here's what is so incredible. Not only did he have an honorable side, he had a spiritual side. He had a spiritual side. This is, this is almost unusual. Because you've got, after that now, after him being a man of great exploits, a warrior-type man, we have 2 Chronicles 27, 5a. The third army commander, as chief for the third month, was Benaniah. Okay. Son of the priest, Jehoiada. So not only, not only did Jehoiada have this side, this part over here, where he was honorable, integrity, and, and brave, and strong, and warrior, he had this incredible God side where he was a priest for God. And it's just so incredible. We see this, this two-sided story going on in Jehodias' life. But you know what? It ought to be the same story in your life. Oh, it's great. It's great that you've got this part, the, the part where it may be maybe titles after your name. It, it may be titles where you work. Um, it may be the, you know, the house you have and the cars you live and those things. And, and you manage to juggle all that and not get messed up with it because you know, wealth is sometimes hard to manage. You did it. But then more important is over here is the spiritual side. It's great that one day your kids might say, my dad was so successful. My mom was so successful. But the most important thing is, he or she loved Jesus. He or she loved Jesus. So, so it's amazing. And here's what's really amazing is, you know, because of the dual role of Jehodia, he was a warrior. He was a warrior and a great man of God. And a great man of God. Ben and I gets to choose. And what's amazing is, he should have been in line to be a priest. I and mean, he was in line. To be a priest. But he chose to be a warrior. And that's totally like okay. It's fine. He made, he made this awesome choice that I'm going to be like my dad. Not a priest. But a warrior. And then we see this kitty killing legacy is not only honorable and spiritual. It's generational. It's generational. Right, look at this. This is, this is you got to really get this. There were 24,000 men... We're in Benaniah's division. Think about that. Over twice the population of Harrisburg was in this man's division. 24,000 lives were entrusted to his care. What a leader. He earned that. He earned that. 
So 24,000 men were in Benaniah's division. Uh, this Benaniah, we've kind of heard this before, was a mighty man among the 30. And the 30 was 30 elite troops of David. And he was mighty inside that group. In fact, it goes on and says, over and over the 30, beyond the 30, Benaniah had this great reputation. And his son, Amizabad, was in charge of his division. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, so we've got Jehodia, who sets up this great legacy, and it has a success side, warrior side, do the right thing side, and then we've got this spiritual side, and along comes Benaniah, who now has that same legacy. It has a warrior side and a spiritual side, and guess what? Guess what his son does? He follows in dad's footprints. Benaniah went to Amizabad and said, I'm going to trust you. I feel like you've earned my trust. I'm going to put you in charge of my 24,000 men. That's what generational legacy looks like. The, the grandpa, in a good way, because not all legacies are good, are they? Yeah. The grandpa... And the son and the great-grandson, or excuse me, the grandson, look a whole lot alike. The father, the son, and the grandson look a whole lot alike. Now, if that's a disaster, that's not good. But if, but if the oldest passes on to the second, to the third, the importance of Jesus and God, man, that's huge. That's huge. It's generational. And then you say, well, that, that, is, that is good. But you didn't know my dad. You didn't know my mom. You don't know my circumstances. Well, there, there's a thing here, what I call not circumstantial legacy. Okay? And Paul writes about in 2 Timothy 1.5. And here's the deal. Timothy was his protege. And he's talking to Timothy. And he says, I recall, I recall, I remember, I know... Your sincere faith. Oh, well, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Oh, that first lived in your grandmother, Lois. Oh, how about that? Well, where else did it come from? And in your mother, Eunice. And now, I am convinced, is in you also. It's the same deal. Jehodiah, Benaniah, Amizadad. Lois, Eunice, Timothy. And we, listen, oh, don't you drift away on from me. You'll miss something. We have an obligation to pass that kind of legacy onto our kids and our grandkids. If you're not doing that, you are failing. If you are not doing that, I don't care how much money you got, how important you are. If you have not passed on a godly legacy, you are failing. But fortunately, it's not too late. God allows us second and third chances. See, the truth is, the story doesn't always turn out good, does it? Our teaching point. You know, we, we write our story. And we determine its legacy. We, not our circumstances, we're not victims here, okay? We write our story and we determine the legacy. And then we got this guy. David was a man after God's own heart. Now, he didn't say that. God's word said that. 
David was a man after God's own heart and yet left a legacy that was scarred with sin. I had a friend, I, you know, this lesson, this sermon came from a devotion I gave on Wednesday night months ago. And, uh, you know, when I got done, he, I, of course, mentioned Bathsheba. And he goes, man, we always pick on David about Bathsheba. <laughs> if it was only just Bathsheba. Now, keep in mind, he's a man after God's own heart. Let me tell you a little bit about David's heart. David's life. David's legacy. The part you don't usually hear. You know, we got him on a, on a sheep thing, string, a harp, you know, saying how great thou art. Well, how about this? When Satan was chasing him over the hills, um, he needed some bread. So he goes to a priest in the village of Nob, and he goes to the priest and says, Hey, I need some bread. And um, the priest says, Don't think that's a good idea. Saul's chasing you. He goes, Oh, wait, wait, no, no, no. I'm on a secret mission for Saul. So it's okay. He goes, Well, the only bread I've got is holy bread. Well, well that's fine. That's fine. Oh, by the way, I need a weapon too. Well, the only weapon I have is the sword uh, that you used to cut off Goliath's head. Oh, that'd be fine. That'd be great. So they get the holy bread and they get the sword and they leave. And somebody told Saul what this priest had done. And he was just innocent, really, because he'd been lied to. You know what happened? Saul killed the whole family. Every priest, the wife, the children, the servants, the animals. All because David told a little white lie. And, of course, then we... We had the Bathsheba story, and you know all that, so I won't even share that with you. But you know what happened after that? Do you know that, that David had a son named Ammon? And Ammon fell in love with his half-sister Tamar and became so incensed with her that he attacked her and abused her. And it was known to the king. And do you know what David did? Nothing. And Absalom, who happened to be the full brother of Tamar, could not let it lie. So finally he schemed and he managed to kill Ammon. And then later on, Absalom, you know, the broken relationship between David and Absalom was then broken. Oh yeah, and then Absalom led a rebellion against his father. A big rebellion. And Absalom was killed. And the rebellion. If only it was Bathsheba. Did I tell you a story about just a little bit after this story about Benaniah? God had said, don't count the people. You depend on me. David disobeyed and counted the people. And God didn't like that. So he said, there, there's got to be punishment for this. There has to be punishment for this sin. And so he gave him a couple options, three options actually. And um, David chose the last one. He said, okay, all right. Well, I don't want my enemies chasing me. That was one of them. Uh, I don't want my enemies chasing me. So, so what I want you to do is um, you can go ahead and send pestilence through the, through the country. And that's what God did. You know how many people died? 70,000. All because David disobeyed God. And this is the guy, this is the guy after God's own heart. See, see, when you sit there and say, well, it won't happen to me, it happened to him. Don't you think it can't happen to you? 
And of course, my goodness, Solomon, the, the son of Bathsheba and David, that dude had 700 wives and 300 concubines. You know he was messed up. It's crazy. So, so this legacy, you know, if it only was Bathsheba, that would be one thing, but it wasn't. And the last, if you're not taking notes on anything else I say today, note that one. Choose wisely for your legacy is much longer than your years. In a, in a certain amount of years, all of us are going to die. Okay? And long after your last heartbeat, your legacy will still be talking. What do you want to say about you? What do you want your legacy to say about you? How do you want your legacy to influence those that you love and care for the most? Well, the, the second way of killing the kitty is kitty-killing courage. Killing, kitty-killing courage. And this is found in 2 Samuel 23, 20b. Um, it just simply says, we won't talk a lot about this. Uh, Benaniah killed two sons of Aral of, of Moab. Two mighty warriors. <laughs> there's another one. I didn't include this one. You know, there's one that tells that there was this huge Egyptian soldier. And, and Benaniah had a staff. And the soldier had an iron spear. The Egyptian did. And Benaniah walks up, rips the staff, the spear, out of the Egyptian's arm and impels him with it. you got to love that courage. But he goes on and says this. And I don't, I don't know. And he went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And that's where the whole kitty thing comes from. I don't know why he did it. Guys, I don't know why. I'm, one guy wrote a book about this and made a whole lot of money. And I don't know why he went, thought he had to go into the pit and kill the cat. I don't know. I know this. He had the courage to do it. He had the courage to do... He had the courage to do what he thought was right. And I'm asking you in 2022 to have the courage to do what you know is right. And as a Christ follower, what you know to do is right is make Jesus Christ your king. Nothing else matters. There's a, there's a guy named F.W. Borum in our teaching point. F.W. Borum points out that Ben and I have met the worst of enemies, a lion, in the worst of places, a pit, under the worst of conditions on a snowy day. And won. And won. He had the courage to take on the impossible. There are many things we could say today about killing the kitty from hell. But we have a little bit of good advice. And Peter, again, this is the follow-up verse to, you know, be sober, be vigilant. You're adversary the devil like a roaring lion. It's walking about seeking whom he may devour. This is the follow-up verse. Resist him. Resist him. Don't, don't play dead with him. Resist him. Have the courage to do the right thing. Resist him. You know, James, the half-brother of Jesus, James 4, 7, here's how he says it. Submit to God. In other words, in 2022, Jesus, you're it. My career is not. My wealth is not. My popularity is not. Jesus, it's you. I'm willing to submit to you. And then he simply says this. Again, same words. Resist the devil. Fight back. Not you, him, him, God, living out through you, through you. Kill him. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he, I love this, he will run from you. 
See, we don't have the power, but God has the power. See, we don't have the power. You know, we, we, we don't get too casual with Satan. He's a formidable foe. He's that Sheol cat. He's got lots of power. But our God has so much more. And, and he empowers you with the Holy Spirit. And he's given us, you know, his written word. And, and he's given us the power of prayer to overcome him. Resist the devil and he will run from you. you. Resist him knowing that the same kind of suffering. See, you're not alone. Somebody say, I'm just all by myself in this. No, you're not. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. 2022 is going to be a challenge. It's not the end of the world. Our God, Jesus said that, you know, you're going to have the world. You're going to have tribulation. No surprise there. Be of good cheer. I have overcome world. In fact, in 1 John 4, 4, I think it says, greater is he that is where? Where, where, where? Greater is he that is in you, in you and me, than he that is in the world. The kitty of hell has nothing on us because of our Lion of Judah, the king of kings. Go in your strength, he's made your lunch. Go in the strength of God and you are just affordable. You cannot be beat to the power of Christ. There's a story I want to close with today. It's, it's just, it, just, it just struck me when I read it. It's called The Lesson from the Gazelle and from the Lion. You can read it while I'm telling you the story. I won't get exactly right, but you can read and get the exact quote. But the bottom line is it says, you know, every, every morning in Africa, there is a gazelle that gets up. And that gazelle realizes that that day, he has to be faster than the fastest lion, or else he will die. On that very same day in Africa, there's a lion who wakes up. And that day, he realizes, the lion realizes, that he's got to be faster than the slowest gazelle, or he will starve. And the tagline's great. It doesn't matter whether you're a lion or gazelle, when the sun comes up, you better be running. Isn't that good? And brothers and sisters, listen to your pastor. You've trusted me for 21 years. Listen to me. In 2022, we better be running. We better be running. So today, it's our time decision. First thing is this, and it's so hugely important. Do you know Jesus as Savior? I'm not asking, do you go to church? I'm not asking if you're religious. Have you come to a point in your life when you understand that Jesus Christ died for you on a Roman cross similar to this and that he resurrected on the third day and made this incredible promise that any person and all persons who'd be willing to turn from their sin and that's called repentance and choose to follow him, then our sins would be forgiven. That's something religion can't do. Something church can't do. Certainly anything you can do. Is something Jesus can do and wants to do. I'll be standing down front this morning. I'll be glad to share with you about Jesus Christ. Um, again, I was thinking over, I've been thinking a lot about my, my career as a Christian. Now it's about 46, 47 years. And I tried so hard to do it my way. 
and failed miserably. But when I finally did it God's way, it worked. It worked. So I'd love to tell you about that today. And, and for all the, the moms and dads and grandmas and grandfathers and anybody else in authority, are you willing in 2022 to truly, to truly let Jesus take over the will? Are you willing to let him be your king and your guide? Are you willing to allow yourself to build a legacy through the power of God, a legacy um, that will be a kitty-killing legacy so that the grandfather and the son and the grandson can tell a story one day. We can look back and see the legacy. I mean, it's great when we tell stories, but when those stories include God, they become incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. Today our altar is open, and you may want to come and pray about some of the things that God's talked to you about today. Maybe there's someone sick, and you'd like to pray for them. Um, this is our time. This is why we come. This is the action part of, of this. And so if there's some action you need to take, God's put into your heart. Uh, we want you to do that. Let's pray. Well, God, sure, thank you for the privilege of sharing this today, and I want to thank you for the truth of it. I know the cat from hell is a formal foe, but compared to you, he is nothing. He is nothing. Just like Jesus told Pilate, Pilate and said, you have no authority unless it's granted. So we know and believe that Satan has no authority unless it is granted. Thank you that, that the one greater in, in us is greater than the one in the world. Thank you for that. If there's someone today on Facebook or, or someone on the radio or someone in this room um, that needs you, may today be that day. And God, may all of us who do know you make that commitment to let you take the will. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen.